Fitz Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. I'm a veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, daily YouTube videos, and I'm a longtime podcaster. Also, I have metastatic stage four prostate cancer that came out of remission in January. During the 2020 pandemic, my doctors advised me to stay at home, and the Life of Fitz podcast was born. Four years later, I'm back in my cancer fight and continuing this podcast, calling the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who I have met throughout my 35 years in this industry. And now I'm adding in some new friends to my call list. And of course, I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. This is one of those Life of Fits episodes that makes me feel, well, um, old. Because in 1998, we started our company publishing Powercat Illustrated. And in 2000, we realized we needed a physical office. And we also needed to start doing some advertising with maybe billboards. Well, we put that together and our office became our billboard in the heart of Aggieville. And not long after moving to Aggieville, a certain establishment called So Long Saloon moved in across the street. Great burgers, great service, great people. And I spent almost every lunch in there because it was my neighborhood. And after I'm done working on the magazine, I'd go grab a beer. In the process, I met a lot of great people. And one of them was a track athlete named Adam Walker. Fast forward more than 20 years into the future, And Adam Walker has worked his way up through academic and athletic administration, earned his Ph.D., and now has returned to Kansas State University, his alma mater, to be the new president and CEO of the Kansas State University Alumni Association, replacing the legendary Amy Button Renz, someone I need to get on this podcast. But I tell you what, that made me feel old. Adam Walker is back and he's the boss of the Alumni Association. So, it seems like a good time to call Dr. Adam Walker right here in Manhattan, Kansas. Well, hello, old friend. <laughs> hello, Dr. Walker. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I've got some foot pain, Doc. What, what should I do about that? You, you know, uh, I'm the non-helping kind, so <laughs> you, you called the wrong doctor. <laughs> well, well, first let me say welcome back home, man. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, it's it's uh, surreal. It's great to be back. Yeah. So, good talking to you. Yeah, you haven't even been uh, on duty in a week, and I already called you up. Already, and I know. You've been busy, man. Tell, give us a recap of your first week as the boss of the Alumni Association. Yeah. So, like, fits of 20 years ago, I, I spent every night in Aggieville that I've been here. Yep. And, and I'll preference that with we're staying at the Courtyard by Marriott, so um, not, uh, not like the old days. But uh, it's been great. So, you know, I'm uh, day seven in and the first, uh, you know, Monday through Friday had two days in the office and uh, three in Colorado. So it wasn't too bad. We had uh, some visits out there and President Linton uh, was out there with several other university officials. And we saw a lot of alums and supporters. I had some great uh, meetings, and then we ended the week with the uh, Wabash Cannonball in Colorado. And uh, 
raised the uh, the most amount of scholarship dollars so far for that event uh, in Colorado. So that was tremendous. A little over 200,000, which is just awesome. Did, so. did you go up to Boulder and say, come on, guys, it's time. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. I said, well, we're kind of the welcoming party, you know, because actually I got out there on Wednesday and uh, saw the president and I said, well, <laughs> I hear there's some news. He goes, yeah, we're, we're voting here in about an hour. So, uh yeah, I think everybody out there, you know, a lot of alums in Colorado, they're excited because now they get to see uh, K-State uh, more often out yeah, there, which yeah. will be good. So Yeah, that's – I mean, it's it's good for the conference, but I think it's huge for K-State with our – particularly our Western mm-hmm. Kansas fans that, you know, can yep. have access to games in another direction. So it's really cool. I'm, I'm really fired up. I never thought I'd be excited about having Colorado back. I'll be honest. But I yeah. am. I am. Yeah. Me too. I think I think it'll be great. And like you said, it'll be nice another option. And I wouldn't be surprised in uh, 2024 if they open up with K-State and Colorado, just because you think about it, the old Big Eight were the closest geographically. Yep. You know, uh, other, you know, if Nebraska was still in the conference, it'd be Nebraska. But I think it you know, may be us. We'll see. It'll be fun. Yeah, so. I agree. That will be cool. <laughs> okay, so let's start with this, I guess. What, what led to this decision to get out of athletics? You were climbing. You were on track to be an AD and then you mm-hmm. took a left turn into alumni. Uh, what yeah. went into that decision? Yeah, you know, that's interesting because, I, you know, I thought the same thing. Um, you know, I've got, I've got a very really different background in uh, higher education. So I've been on both sides, uh, you know, academics, athletics. I've worked in the foundation. I've been in enrollment management. I've taught. Um, so, but I've, you know, over the last uh, nearly 15 years been in athletics primarily and you know really thought that was probably the next next thing is is to be an athletic director i was working with uh, laird veach at, at memphis uh, now for he's been there nearly four years believe it or not oh, but uh, that was the th- yeah that was the thought and uh, this came up and you know i wouldn't have an interest in alumni association if it wasn't for k-state right. and that's kind of what they asked me so you know why why alumni association i said well I wouldn't do anywhere else but but K-State. But uh, the more and more I went through the process, it just became apparent that this was the perfect fit, um, and especially with meeting President Linton. That was that was the uh, cherry on top. He's just so reinvigorated the campus and alumni. Um, but it's really because I get to use a unique set of skills. So the great thing about the Alumni Association, we're going to make sure we're messaging this out, is that we are the hub the central spoke, if you will, for the campus, for the university. So we connect athletics, we connect the foundation, we connect campus with the presence vision. So it's really a unique role where um, I get to work with future K-Staters, current students, young alumni, a legacy. So it's really a unique role, and I'm really excited to uh, to be in it and just help K-State. Oh, that's that's really cool. And it's, it's an energized time here. Um, and President Linton, of course, is part of that. Um, you know, he kind of comes in with um, maybe a better uh, understanding and vision of what Kansas State needs and and what it is uh, than maybe you know prior presidents, which isn't a shot at them. It's just he's got kind of yeah. the perfect background for this. Um, and also, athletics is energized quite a bit with some pretty good coach hiring by Gene Taylor. It's got to mm-hmm. be fun coming back in the midst of all that. No, it really is. I mean, you know, being a former student athlete and obviously working in athletics, you know, uh, look forward to 
working with Gene and their coaches, but it really is. I mean, you think about, you know, Big 12 champions and, and Sugar Bowl and Elite Eight and just the women's program is going to be, women's basketball is going to be phenomenal. You know, the new volleyball center. I mean, there's just so much to be excited about. And that's, that's really a, a perfect time. You think about with President Linton and his new next-gen strategic plan. We're going to be a part of that. Um, 2024 is actually Alumni Association's 150th uh, anniversary. So I, I, I have not got it down yet, but uh, I've got to learn the, what, sesquential, centennial. Yeah, I'll let you say So that. I've got to work on that a little bit. So I've got a little bit of work on that, but I'll get that down by uh, January. But it's a perfect time to come in and and have a vision and a plan with 1K State. So, and uh, that includes athletics. So, yeah, you know, exciting times. We should probably pause and <clears throat> mention that uh, I haven't had her on yet, but Amy Button-Renz will at some point be on this podcast. What a person to follow in that job. She's at an absolute, um, you know, just she's a cornerstone of the university. Mm-hmm. She's been at it so long and a, and a wonderful human being. That's Those are big shoes to fill. Yeah, you know, I got several degrees, but I kind of question my intelligence, you know, following someone like her <laughs> because she is tremendous. I mean, over 45 years at the Alumni Association, I mean, you can pretty much, you know, build the building, you know, help help get that her vision. I mean, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. And I've known her since I was a student, worked with her, you know, in the Catmacker events and, and uh, Alumni Association events when I was in the admissions office. So I just think the world of Amy and she's just been tremendous and uh, a big asset. And you're right, some big shoes to follow. But the great thing is we have a great foundation built. Um, so it, it's going to be exciting to carry that on and, and build on that legacy for sure. Yeah. And she's she's a great asset even even now. So not not bad digs there. <laughs> no, right next to campus is pretty darn cool. Yeah, I got a great great view from the office. That's for sure. Well, I'll come yeah. up and hang out in it, and I'll bring some beer, and I'll just sit there and look at the view. <laughs> sure, the view. I love it. Be okay. I mean, nobody yeah, will mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's go back to the very beginning. Did we meet in So Long Saloon? I think we probably did. Yeah, this would have been. Oh gosh, who knows how many years ago? What? Nearly twenty, probably. Yeah, close to. I mean, yeah. they opened in two thousand and one. It may not have been long after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> and I think I, I met. Count, I, yeah, go ahead. I think I met your wonderful wife Rebecca separate to you, also in So Long Saloon. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, and we get it was easy enough to find you there. If you weren't in the offices across the street, you you're it. probably good. Good uh, chance you were so long. So yeah, those yep. are, those are the days of the website and magazine <laughs> and constant work and and then yep. at the end of the night I would go get drunk. Wasn't the most healthy lifestyle. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> but I met an, an, an incredible number of people, including you. It's it, nothing makes you feel older to have a, a former student at K State who you befriended along the way become the alumni association president. <laughs> but that's it's really cool for me. It's really cool. Yeah. No, I, I, it really is kind of neat to come back. And there's so many <clears throat> relationships. Um, you know, it's almost like we haven't left. We've been gone almost 15 years. Um, but, you know, in some senses, it's like, you know, picking the phone call with you and just picking it right back up. Right. So that, I think that's neat. And that, that helps with the, the transition for sure. So. Well, how how is the beautiful wife and the two little clones you have? They are great. So um, for those that don't know, Rebecca and I met each other in Anderson Hall, working in the admissions office. Wow. And met there um, when I was an admissions rep, and she was a, a student worker. Um, so there's there's that there, interesting story. And then we got married in the Alumni Center. 
So it's kind of neat. I get to go to work every day where we got married. That's really uh, cool. Yeah, and that neat. And Dr. Bosco was on our wedding, and um, Amy was very kind at the time. They weren't allowing, <clears throat> you know, weddings during the weekends of football games, but she made an exception. And we had a, a Friday night wedding, of course, and then uh, the game was Saturday, so it was perfect for everybody to come in town and and uh, enjoy the wedding and a party, and then go to the football game the next day. So, kind of neat story. Okay, how old are the the kids? Yes. So Addison is 12. He'll be 13 in November. Um, of course, she's like 20, you know, going on 20. And then with Landry is one. And uh, I tell people one of them was a surprise. And most most may think the one year old, but it's the 12 year old. So um, Addison, just we moved to Orlando and found out uh, shortly after we were married that we were, we were expecting and um, and Addison's been a blessing, and then we've been wanting to have uh, another kid, and it, you had some had some miscarriages and some some troubles along the way. So we did IVF, and and that worked out, and uh, and Landry's just been tremendous. So uh, yeah, helped helped to add on to the family. So I got two. I'm outnumbered. I've got uh, yeah. two girls, Rebecca, and then uh, our dogs, even female. So I'm outnumbered for sure. Dude, dude, what, what's going on here? We uh, we just. Got off vacation and we did a nice little like uh, evening boat tour to look at some dolphins off of Hilton Head. And uh, this poor guy comes in uh, with his wife and four daughters. Uh, and I'm like, how, how are you not drunk all the time? And he goes, I should be, uh, but I'm, I'm get, I kind of know how to handle it at this point. I go, it's a lot, it's a lot. And it yeah, like, but it's uh, very cool, man. It's it's so it's yeah. so awesome to have you guys back. But so, what are your goals with the alumni association? I mean, what do you what are you trying to? Yeah. Um, it, you you're taking over such a healthy institution, mm-hmm. but surely you have some of your twists of your own vision. Yeah, and I've been asked that quite a bit. My my first answer is, you know, first I want to get here, experience it first six months, learning and listening to her. So we're going to build that together. But there are some common themes I've already heard throughout uh, my my short stint, and um, really those are you know three common themes: uh, connect. So you know the alumni association is here to connect future. Uh, case haters, which means helping with recruitment, enrollment management. So we need to get more students uh, to K-State as we know if students aren't here, K-State doesn't exist. So we're going to play a role in that. Um, current students. So we want to make sure that current students know us in the Alumni Association. We're connecting with them uh, all the way from orientation to the graduation, right? And of course, homecoming is a part of that. And then young alums. <clears throat> we want to connect with young alums, help them in their transition to the career. We've got some great volunteers and and uh, in our association and in our connection is that, uh, for instance, there's uh, a, a great alum in Dallas, and she's got a connection of uh, lawyers and attorneys, 715. And so anytime a new K-State student's coming in the network, and it could be anywhere, hey, this student's looking for, for, or for a position, a job, she shoots out an email, 715 K-Staters, and it's an instant network. So we need to build more of that, which is really neat. And then legacy alums, right? So we need to find a way... To, to connect and make sure they feel welcomed. Um, and who knows, maybe that's um, like you mentioned having a beer at the alumni association. Maybe that's having, having uh, legacy K-Staters or young K-Staters come back and enjoy a beverage and, and uh, we're connecting with K-State. So connect is the first one. The second theme is align. 
So as I mentioned earlier, we're here to to uh, support athletics, the foundation, campus, and then, of course, President Linton's vision. So we're here to make it one K-State. And then the last one is just is simply serve. You know, we're here to serve um, our students and our community and K-State however best we can to make sure K-State's the best it can be. So I need to find a T in there because I got the C-A and S. If I can find a T, it's a perfect acronym, you know, and we love acronyms. So yeah, I need to find a, I need, I need to find a T there. So I got to work on that. Trouble. We're going to make some trouble. <laughs> uh, but it, you said something there that um, really clicked with me because we both love Kansas State. We're both alumni of Kansas State. Mm-hmm. But it's not a big institution, whether you're talking about current enrollment or alumni base. But it is very engaged as an alumni base. <laughs> Um, and it probably needs even more because, mm-hmm. uh, as a smaller institution, and I, I certainly don't mean that as an insult to my alma mater in any way, it's just a reality as a smaller mm-hmm. institution in this world in which we're competing with bigger institutions, maybe with bigger, um, you know, foundations and all, all of that, we all got to row together. I mean, we all got to be in this together because, uh, put together, I think K-State fans are a mighty force that, projects uh, much more size than what is reality. And I think that's a compliment on the alumni base. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's a great point. Right now, you know, a a high watermark, we had just over 40,000 alumni association members, which is incredible. Number one in terms of percent of grads in the Big 12 and fourth nationally. So that is a that that's a testament to our passion. But we need to we need to make sure that is is strengthened and we need to continue that because it is important because although we're small in numbers, we're mighty, but, uh, for instance, I, you know, I worked at UCF for a year, didn't really care for the culture there. So I was there for a short, short stint, but now they're in the big 12, you know, they've had the second largest enrollment in the country and their average age of their alums is 38 and it's dropping because they're graduating so many students. I mean, they're the largest institution in, in Florida by far. And so we, those are the type of institutions, Houston and the new, you know, BYU's got a huge alumni base. So we have to make sure that uh, we have to connect and we've got to be, you know, mighty and nimble. Um, so that's a great point. We need all K-Staters for sure. Well, you brought up something uh, there. UCF is a different culture. It's it's a, I mean, mm-hmm. basically it was founded, <clears throat> I think in 63, right? Because I was born in 64. Yeah. Um, yeah. I heard a stat. Last year, not this year, but last year at Big 12 Media Days, that 99% of their alumni are are still alive, which is just a, a stunning, stunning stat um, and probably also speaks to the caution with which they live. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah. they, uh, but I, that's going to be a monster school. I mean, we get 20 years down of Big 12 membership. They yeah. are going to be an absolute monster, I think, um, a force within – the college realm, not just college athletics. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hate to say it, but I, I think they really are because they're they're young, they're growing. Um, they're going to be a force reckon with. Their fans are, are young and rowdy too. So uh, for those that know other fan bases, they're going to give, I think, Colorado a run for their money. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to a few games there, obviously, as a way fan, and, and uh, they can they can definitely wreak some havoc on you. So I, I think what's interesting with these these you know four new schools, you're going to find some unique rivalries that will, will bud along the way. Um, and I, I would guess UCF may be one of those, even though we're, you know, so far apart. And that's what's so interesting with this, <laughs> the new conference alignment. It's no longer g- geographical anymore. 
Um, but, you know, some of those rivalries used to be between schools that were the closest to each other. But I think what you're seeing now more, sometimes it just depends on the games and, and, and how they end up and the fan bases and, you know, even TCU, for instance, I mean, that's, that's something just in the last you know, couple of years, it seems like that's starting to be a great competition. So who knows? Yeah. And, and that kind of took <laughs> off with, I mean, it started with coach Patterson, of course, the case data, but it strikes me that Gus Malzahn's going to return to Bill Snyder family stadium. Um, this season after being there for all with Auburn uh, and, mm-hmm. and him just raving about the, the crowd and the facility. So I, I have a feeling the build up to that game, UCF fans yep. will begin to understand that this is, this is really important. And, yeah. you know, across American uh, college football, it, you know, has its corners, but it hasn't been like it is in the big 12. It's just the reality of the different levels of the institutions, mm-hmm. but I, I think yep. they're in for an awakening on road games. Let's put it that way. Yep. Let's, let's hope so. I think that's, that's a great observation that not many people realize that Malzahn was here with Auburn, you know, few years ago and i think i think if i remember did do we win that game or did auburn pull that out auburn pulled it you remember? out remember yeah that's, that's what i that, thought i hate yep. to bring this up but tyler lockett dropped a touchdown pass yeah which he never yeah, did that's not good. but but to your point these these fan bases are really excited to be in big 12 you know being the american with memphis and working athletics you know and so they're going to travel i would uh, suspect pretty well the first few years but you're right it is going to be interesting because they're they're not used to these uh these crowds and the passion and so it's going to be uh it's going to be fun to 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 see that in person so it'll be an interesting experience well what was it like working for laird he's a tyrant isn't he uh, he just yells at you every day um <laughs> he's, no, he's, he's such a good dude he really is. You know, what's interesting is I knew Laird a little bit, you know, working here at K-State. Uh, you know, it's my time here. Uh, but I actually got to know him better after he left. And, and we connected at Florida. And um, he was he was the first call he made uh, during the interview process at Memphis. And he called me, and, and I basically talked to him for a couple of hours. I gave him the cliff notes, and they must have been good cliff notes because he got hired, and, and he's just tremendous. Um, you know, he's what I like about Laird, he's calm. He, he can boil down a complex problem into simple parts. Um, but he, he was just tremendous to work with. Um, and I kind of joke with him. Uh, the, the previous athletic director, Tom Bowen, was <clears throat> very uh, animated. And I say, you know, your meetings are so boring compared to Tom's because <laughs> you'd come in and, and, and literally would not know what to expect. It would One day he'd be high and, and just exciting and, and jovial and taking, you know, talking jokes. And, and the next thing you, you never know, the, the next uh, two hours he may come in and, and upset and yelling. And, <laughs> and But Laird's very steady. So I, I it's kind of the joke is saying your your meetings are very boring compared to uh, compared to Tom's. So you know we get to a point in our life where boring boring's kind of good. It, it is sometimes it is. <laughs> yep, it is sometimes. But I'm 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 excited. I didn't come here to to be boring and and especially with with President Linton. Um, so that that's what's exciting is how well, and it's not just speak how well athletics works with the foundation and fundraising and how well campus and the deans work together and president Linton and just the cabinet and the staff there and us. I mean, it really isn't just speak it. It really is, you know, um, you know, some intentionality behind that, how well we work together. So uh, I'm looking is, forward to that. It's a big thing to put on a new president, but <clears throat> I kind of get we vibes. And, and I remember we when he first arrived and <clears throat> he was, you know, younger and uh, mm-hmm. he built a team. 
uh, and that he was great at team building and everyone was, he got everyone on board. And if you weren't on board, you weren't around um, anymore. Uh, and I, I get it. The campus seems to be returning to that. Let's, let's get a focus here on recruitment, retention, uh, making sure that the campus is thriving and, you know, it, the, the campus itself and intercollegiate athletics are a great advertisement for the university. The students do a great job of advertising themselves at sporting events and showing how fun it is. I, I, I just feel like Kansas State over the next few years might see a renaissance in an era yeah. when typically enrollments are shrinking a little bit and people mm-hmm. are struggling to keep people on campus. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting observation and parallel because you think about it, when we fall came in the, the mid to late 80s, um, enrollment was, was stagnant or declining. Of course, the football program was futile to you and in shambles. Uh, that's not the case now, fortunately, but that is interesting that at that time, enrollment was the big key. And I think now there's a big emphasis on enrollment as well. And and obviously being, you know, an admissions representative, I guess, nearly 20 years ago now. Uh, but that is kind of a point of pride in, in, in my eyes is making sure that we retain the best and brightest students from Kansas and then also track from outside the state because, um, you know, high school enrollments here are declining, you know, in Kansas. Yeah. You know, that's just a fact. So we're either going to have to have a higher yield of those students uh, or we have to go out of state, which, you know, he's got a – Lynn's got a great plan to get out, and Colorado's a great example, right? Nearby, a lot of alums, you know, and, and I think, you know, we, we even talked about this as CU being back in the conference. That's a great opportunity for us to be more engaged and hopefully get more students from Colorado and other states because that's what K-State needs is, you know, a healthy enrollment, you know, and just like anything else. You know, wins and wins in, in sports help out with the bottom line. Well, in campus, it's, you know, healthy enrollment uh, helps out with the university. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one of the things that I want to get into sports here in a little bit, because you've got such a deep knowledge in your your mm-hmm. dissertation is fascinating. It's so perfect for what's going on right now. But um, one of the things Brett Yormark's doing that I'm fascinated with, I just think I think it's brilliant, is the Mexico Initiative, and really, mm-hmm. that's a fancy title, but it's a Spanish language initiative. It's it's trying to get to fans that are you know Spanish first language, and that's that's I don't want to say concern. That's a real point of emphasis for institutions like. Kansas, where a great deal of our of our high school base, what we will be recruiting over the few years, are going to be from Spanish speaking households. I'm, I'm just, it's incredible the what's happened out west, but it's something that you could really take advantage of. No, that's that's a great point. You think about, you know, in terms of of growing populations, um, you know, the, the Hispanic population is sip, simply growing. We know that's going they're going to be eventually the majority is what the, you know is going to be the case of it. I, you know, I've seen that being from Western Kansas for sure. We actually even talked about that is the culture for them is usually stay close to home. So if we can get them to K-State, great. But, you know, maybe you get them to go to the local community college first and you build a bridge, right? And then once they start to come to K-State, then they can start telling their friends and family, like, you know, I went to K-State. It was great. And so if you can build that pipeline and that, that, uh, you know, that, I guess, um, you know, reputation, if you will, that's what's needed. But, you know, your mark sees it. And that's why I love him as a commissioner. He's so – uh, edgy, you know, and sometimes I guess the presence may have to rein him in a little bit, right. 
but it's it's better that than the commissioner that just you know sits on their hands and and gets picked apart. So yeah, no which doubt. has been the more common way of being a commissioner in the past, and mm-hmm. I think the Pac-12 mm-hmm. has one right now that's getting picked apart. Um, but yeah, right, your mark's like a, a shark; he's in constant motion, and um, and you're right. There's probably for every great idea, there's two where everyone says, uh, "No, no, no, we're not going to do that." Uh, but that's you know what he's not tied to any idea that unless he's really yeah. like I'll I'll just bring this up the Yukon initiative I, I he you know he's fascinated with Yukon and in the everyone else is kind of like we don't see it you know but I almost think that's one where you trust his gut because he keeps coming back to it but that's another point. Yeah. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. Let's get to this. I, I didn't realize this until I did my two minutes of uh, preparation for this uh, call. And, and that's that's in-depth for me. Uh, but yeah. your doctorate, your, your dissertation is uh, entitled Intercollegiate Athletic Success and the Financial Impact on Universities. Dude, you were published in the Wall Street Journal? I was. And I, so I'd get a tattoo with that. Yeah, there you go. You know, what's, what's funny is I always was joking around with people. I said, you know, after I finish my dissertation, I'd love to publish it. And you know, the USA Today, you know, I don't know if they were still even in print, but I know they're in digital. But they used to have that little blurb in the sports section or, or and say, hey, you know, so-and-so's research was this. And I said, man, if I could just get a blurb, would be great. <laughs> and somehow I got connected with, uh, you know, this writer, Keller. He happens to be a you know a graduate from the other school out, out east. But he connected and said, you know, this is very interesting. I'd love to write a story. And and there, lo and behold, I got a whole uh, story in the Wall Street Journal. So obviously I, I framed that and uh, was, was very proud of that as well. So. Oh, should be. So <laughs> yeah. give me your your boiled down version of what your paper was about. Yeah, and that was, that, that was years ago, over 10. But in essence, basically what I looked at is at the time – um, you know, we didn't have college football playoff. It was BCS, but we had Final Four. So what I did is I took the previous 10 years, so looked at all the institutions that had athletic success, and that was defined as uh, making the BCS Bowl in football or the Final Four in basketball. So I think those were pretty common standards of this was a successful year. And what I did is I looked back, you know, the previous year at all those institutions, what their fundraising numbers were across the board, not just athletics and and enrollment and applications. And it was significant in terms of when they had that athletic success and, uh, you know, President Linton spoke to this, how much publicity and media that drives. So, it's not just great for the athletic department, and yes, they're going to sell more tickets and have more donations when they're successful, but it's great for the institution. It's great for the the exposure, uh, millions and millions of, of dollars, marketing dollars that you just can't buy, and then uh, applications, enrollment, even selectivity. Schools like TCU years ago, when they made their first big bowl, um, they have a cap on enrollment, but their selectivity, which means their GPA, their, their, their ACTs, the quality of student was increased because they had so many more applications, but also across the board. So not only did athletic donations increase, but donations across campus, agricultural school or arts and sciences or business also increased. So it was interesting. Um, 
at all institutions, about 12.5% was the average increase in contributions year over year in relation, I won't say correlation, but in relation to athletic success. And at private institutions, it was actually more, uh, nearly 25%. So I thought that was really unique in that um, private, and maybe that's because the alumni understand philanthropy and support, but it was it was double uh, at private institutions when they saw athletic success. So that just shows you, it'll show you some of the value of athletics has, you know, to the entire campus. It really does. I mean, you know, it gets back to the the front porch philosophy and yep. um it you know that's something i learned from doc Weefald and he he was the epitome of that let's get football mm-hmm. going it'll be our front porch it's it's the most visible part of the university but it gets people in the front door to see all the incredible rooms of education you have um, absolutely and, and i love that analogy and i I think it's lacking in the Pac-12. I don't think they quite understand the Mm -hmm. role of intercollegiate athletics and what it can be for your university. It just seems like so many of their universities treat it as, well, it's something we do. It's it's just part of being a university. we got to do it. That's interesting you you mentioned that because actually after I had done my analysis, my committee said, hey, can you break it down further into regions? And I did that. What's very interesting that you mentioned that. So what region do you think had the largest impact from giving from athletic success. I would guess the South. Correct. So it was the South, followed by the Midwest, followed by the East, and the least impact was the West. So that just goes to show you maybe there's just less, I don't know if it's just attention or interest, uh, but the, you know that kind of uh, was interesting that by region, South was number one, Midwest two, but the West Coast was, was last in terms of impact. So there's some. Yeah, that, that, that is yeah. really interesting. But mm-hmm. you know, maybe that comes from the scattered population, and and there's just I mean, it's now pro I mean, sports is bigger out there. Yeah. You know, yep, yeah. And the Pac-12 is yep. running yep. into this; they don't have as many big institutions in the beyond the Rockies. They're just they're not mm-hmm. out there. I mean, it's hard for them to expand and and meet their other criteria, which I think are too steep. But um, yeah. their other criteria, you know, when you start crossing off Boise and saying they'll never be in this <laughs> and UNLV, they'll never be in this. Hell, hell they cross mm-hmm. off the entire Big 12 and said you're not worthy of us. Um, yeah. Pretty soon you get yourself into trouble. And um, I, I think there's more. It's weird. It's like a lot of these I didn't understand the level of it, but a lot of the Pac-12 institutions almost have an Ivy League self-identity mm-hmm. that yep. seems misplaced. I don't know if that's right. It's interesting because I, I bet you if you could go back, if they knew what they knew today, right, which is always 2020, but you could go back, what it, you know, 10 years or so, would they have taken some Big 12 schools versus, you know, UNLV, you know, Boise State, whatever they may be looking at? I think they they would probably they probably say yes, but at the time, they were, you know, the schools academically wise weren't up to snuff, if you will. So yeah, I agree. I yeah. mean, they've. They've had that. I kind of admire them for setting their academic standards, but it can, it's gotten their way now, and it might mm-hmm. all their institutions might suffer because of it, and that's a shame. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but these are cutthroat times right now in major college athletics, and um, somehow, some way, your alma mater and the Big Twelve Conference look like as of now it changes, but as of now, it's going to be a survivor, which is an incredible story in itself. Yeah, you know, it really is. When I was in Memphis, you know, we were going through all that. We were really concerned, like, well, what's going to happen to the Big 12 and K-State? Where are they going to land? Um, and, and not only have they survived, they've thrived, you know, and, and looking like they may be, you know, top three conference uh, possibly, which is great for K-State because, you know, you want to be in a, in a 
stable conference. And although it's, it's somewhat, you know, I guess, uh, scattered geographically, but the neat thing is you still have some of those built in schools that, you know, uh, the KU, Iowa state, Oklahoma state that you've been playing for years now, Colorado back. So that's, that's kind of neat that you do have some close road trips for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, you don't, you, there's going to be a national conference with some regionality to it, which is an interesting mm-hmm. mix, but, yeah. uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited about the future of the Big 12 and your former institution, Memphis, is kind of on the fringe of this expansion. Poor Memphis can't quite get over the hump with uh, inclusion, but boy, they, they're flirting mm-hmm. with it. And I think Laird's taking them closer and fixing the Liberty Bowl is just a huge step in there. Yeah. Are they ever going to get over that hump? You know, I'm glad you brought that up. So when I, I, I was in Memphis nearly 13 years, believe it or not, 12 and a half. And, and, and long story short, um, I was looking for a you know place after UCF and UCF just wasn't a fit for us and want to get closer to quote unquote home. My brother lives in Arkansas. So Memphis was, was close. Other than that, I didn't know anything about Memphis. And, uh, you know, at first Rebecca said, you know, we're not moving to Memphis. <laughs> she may have said it a little differently, but you know, I thought, Hey, I'm going to be there two or three years, right? Get, you know, maybe three, four, get my doctorate, move on. And we fell in love with the people, uh, the institution. Um, and you know, it's got some, some, some issues and whatnot, but it is just a tremendous city, great people. But the thing that held it back and I'll just be very candid leadership, uh, at the time, if they would have done what we started to do when I arrived in 2010, 10 years prior, like Louisville did, because you look at in early 2000s, Louisville and Memphis, same institutions, nearly identical. And Louisville started to invest and, you know, Memphis was just a little late to the game. But what we I've been very proud of what uh, Memphis has been able to do uh, and while I was there and build brand new practice facilities for football and men's basketball, all privately funded because there wasn't any, you know, it's practice facility. So it's, it's uh, philanthropy. Um, and, you know, the basketball facility, for instance, 21 and you know, almost $22 million, one of the best in the country um, and working with Penny Hardaway and overseeing men's basketball, you know, they've got a story tradition, but football people don't, you know, don't realize it's really, really strong. It's They have the longest bowl streak in the country, you know, nearly 10 years of any group of five. Um, you know, and then we were able to secure $350 million in state funding in April before we, before I left and with the president and, and the mayor and, and layered. And so that's going to go into invest in the FedEx forum, which is a top notch NBA basketball facility, which Memphis plays in. And then the Liberty bowl, which many case haters have been, and, and we all know it needs upgrades. Yep. So it's going to get it. And it's already been approved. It's happening. So, you know, a lot of schools are like, Hey, this is our vision. This is what's going on. The neat thing in Memphis, they already have the money. It's already been funded. So they're going to plan to start in January. So once they get those two things in place, I really believe, especially geographically, it's a great fit with SEC. You get some of that territory. Um, but the common misnomer, when I came to Memphis, I was like, oh, there's going to be tons of Tennessee and Old Miss and Arkansas. Unbelievable. That city is a nearly 100% Memphis. And what's unique there is they drink the Kool-Aid. So Laird was, and I told Laird, I said, you know, usually you'd go to institutions like these and you got to tell, sell the community on how important the university is to the city. The supporters are telling you. And so that's the neat thing is people don't realize Houston. Yeah. Houston's a great school, great, you know, TV market, quote unquote, but it doesn't permeate like Memphis does. So Houston may be page eight in the sports section. Memphis is front page on the, you know, the newspaper. And so that's the difference in Memphis and other institutions like, well, they're not quite the size, 
but it, the passion and just the um, overall city. But you're right. They haven't quite got there, and they've just been so close. And so the fans are so used to being just disappointed. So, you know, for, you know, I've got a degree there. So hopefully for, for my friend's sake and, and people there, they can get in because I really think they'd be a great fit. And uh, Memphis fans would love uh, to be in Big 12. And I know Big 12 would really enjoy their fan base for sure. So yeah, I, I'm intrigued. We'll by see. It. I mean, it is yeah. a good regional fit too. It, it uh, yeah. It kind of bridges the east and the, mm-hmm. the central parts of this conference. Mm-hmm. But I, yep. I don't know. I think we're going to end up with UConn for other reasons. Maybe. I don't know. Um, we'll see how many Pac-12 teams end up. Who knows by the time yeah. this actually um, releases, it might, it might all be done because uh, this doesn't go out till Wednesday. So, yeah, yeah um, who knows? We're, Could we're, be. we're getting close to hyperspeed with this as everyone's been delaying. But yeah. um, as, as someone who studied so intently um, the tie between – your campus and your athletics, this has to fascinate you at a different level, seeing all this movement. Oh, absolutely. And what this, especially the schools that are going from the American, you know, and BYU and Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, what it's going to do for those institutions. I mean, and we talked about it in Memphis is it would absolutely set the university and athletic department on fire, completely different trajectory. So something like this, and I think, you know, you know, K-Staters and others take it for granted, but to be in the big 12, um, you know, it's a great conference. And so I know those institutions are really excited, but what that's going to do for those schools is just tremendous. And you're starting to see it in ticket sales and even enrollment and whatnot, but uh, it's, it's going to be tremendous for the schools. And it's going to strengthen the conference, bring a new energy. in. yeah, I, I'm, you know, I also think USF, if they would get serious about stuff, um, they could be in the conversation. But they, their rival has done it the right way. Just mimic what your rival did. It just yeah. cracks me up how institutions don't catch a clue here what's going on. You, yeah. You know what's interesting there, just real quick? When UCF was starting out with their football program, because people may not realize they weren't Division One to the mid-90s. Yeah. You know, they were FCS, you know, at the time uh, – too, you know, um, but they actually used USF and USF come over, came over and helped them start the program. And, and that's what's incredible is and now it's kind of flipped the script and, and they've kind of taken off and, and uh, South Florida has been left behind, if you will. So yeah. it's, it's kind of interesting dynamic there. In my long journey here with doing what I do. I sat in the trailer with Jim Levitt at USF, yep. and uh, the, he was starting the program, and they didn't own a football for a football program. Uh, that's Isn't that wild. Yeah. And, I mean, it was literally ground up out of a trailer. Uh, we're building it. But, you know, like like UCF, UCF has a huge enrollment. These are, these are major mm-hmm. institutions that um, mm-hmm. have had the commuter campus tag on them, which isn't always fair or accurate. Um, but it seems like both of them are becoming more – I don't know, community base. They're trying to steer into that mm-hmm. at least. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of a demeaning, you know, they hang it on Cincinnati and, and other places. And I'm like, just because they're in a Metro area, doesn't mean they're a commuter school. It, mm-hmm. It's not fair at all, but um, yeah, I'm just, I'll, I'll eagerly await to see what comes out of all this because it's, uh, it's something else. And, and again, I think some Pac-12 presidents and chancellors are about to find out just how important college athletics and being a member of a major conference is. They've taken it for granted, and it's when they lose that status, it'll be kind of the reverse of what you did your, your thesis on. It's going to be what happens to the university when you step back and start having less revenue in athletics. 
it, it really could, and especially you know, I, I, you know, you think of those institutions, Oregon State, Washington State, for instance. Uh, that that's really could be the case, you know, uh, and in those instances. So Cal and Stanford, I think, are a little different beasts right. in terms of, they, you know, they may not lean as heavy, obviously, in athletics, but you know, Oregon State and Washington State, those are institutions I know that are that are worried right now for sure. Yeah, and, and I feel bad for him. I really do. Yeah, I, mean, I do it, too. It, it, yep. Kansas State and Iowa yep. State were staring down that same gun. You know, it yep. was, um, you're going to get left out. You're not desirable enough. You're too rural. All the same stuff. Um, and, and then the layer of geography gets them too. It's just great fan mm-hmm. bases. And, and in the case of Oregon State, a great athletic department, you know, top to bottom. Yeah. They compete in a lot of sports. But uh, absolutely, it's just the reality and an unfortunate circumstance. But um yeah, it's it, it. I'm I'm excited to see where all this goes, and I'm just so happy it's not the Big Twelve being the hunted, the one that that's going to be left out because, as you know, brother, mm-hmm. it, it was that way. Yeah. So yeah. how how is that troublemaking wife of yours? Um, you know that the the world's sweetest person, but also I, I think we all agree that she's got a little troublemaking in her. <laughs> yeah, you know she's she's tremendous. I mean, she's honestly my best asset, uh, and people are gonna get to meet her. But she's so uh, energetic and engaging, got a passion for K State. So we're we're just really excited to be back, and she's just terrific. So looking forward to getting together with you and uh, yeah. uh, Addison has not stopped wearing purple ever since uh, it was announced, and 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 it was kind of joking. You know, you don't have to wear purple every day. And she's like, oh, yeah, I do. It's like, okay, that's great. That's so, yeah, so, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Yeah. Uh, real funny. So, obviously, Memphis blue. And, you know, in the interview, said, well, what's going to be the most challenging thing? So, well, I got to get rid of all the blue. You know, and that's pretty obvious. When I was at, at Memphis leaving, I said, hey, you know, I got a bunch of blue. I'm not, you know, I'm obviously not going to be wearing it in, in Manhattan. They're like, why? They're like, you can wear it on the weekends or you can wear blue. And, and I said, you don't understand. And, and I told that to my staff on Monday. I said, you know, at, at, uh, at Memphis, I was leaving and, and I was, you know, trying to give away my blue and they just didn't understand. And they just thought, oh, yeah, you can wear that. I mean, just wear it on the weekends or, or you know, it doesn't have Memphis on. It's just blue. And there's an audible gasp from the staff. They're like, oh, you know, like, of course, yeah. why would you wear blue? Right. But that's just, uh, that's yep. just the pride of K State. You got to love it. So, yeah. The passion. Here's a dirty secret <clears throat> about your friend that blue blue's my favorite color. Oh no. I know. Yeah. I know my dad my dad was born in Oklahoma. <sighs> yeah. And blue's well, my favorite color. I got a lot going against me, but I've I've overcome. It's a good color. You don't always just don't put red with it unless you mix it directly then it ends up purple. So. I know. That's exactly right. Go. Um Yeah. Yeah, she people are going to love your wife. I mean, she's just an yeah. amazing person and she's just fun to be around because of her positive energy she puts out it's, mm-hmm. it's incredible but no. um <clears throat> yeah don't be surprised if she's yelling and screaming at games so that's just she's passionate fan so that's oh, great that's, that's fun yeah that's fine let's keep, <laughs> let's keep her in one of those uh those suites though let's not let's not unleash her on the public <laughs> love it love it well welcome be back everywhere. brother it's it's Thank pretty you, damn cool it's really cool to have you yeah. back and and <clears throat> uh, look forward to getting together with the wife and kids and um, are they here right now? They are. Yep. They're here. Yeah. You're, you're all are. packed in a hotel room. All packed in a hotel room. Yep. You can pray for us, you know, uh, wife, two girls, a dog, a, ba- a bunny rabbit and a turtle. How about that? Oh my so God. we're making it work. Although yeah, I've been getting out of the office. Also, I'm heading to Houston next week. So that's probably good. One, one uh, fewer person in the hotel room, but yeah, we're, we're looking for a spot. We want to make sure it's the right spot. So hopefully we can, we can find a place and, uh, move there. We, so. we just, the house across the street just sold. You want me to go like, tell them they got to move? 
<laughs> there you go. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Like, or maybe like, just moving your, moving your basement. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. You'll be right next to my studio. So you hear this through the wall every day. That'd be kind of, there good. you go. Um, yeah. I, I feel like I can run across here. It's a beautiful house with the pool. It's perfect for you guys. And she just say, look, pool. you, you guys seem like nice people, but you're out. You, you can't, we voted you out. So, I love it. Well, well get back yeah. to work, you lazy bum. It's a Sunday. I will. Um, you, need to, you need to be doing something with yourself since you're selling your first week of work. That's right. Actually, I'm going to uh, meet with Dr. Trace and do live at five here in a little bit. So uh, awesome. that, that's great. Reconnect with him. He's, he's another, let's talk about tremendous case later. But, uh, we know, we're just so honored and humbled and excited and uh, to build on Amy's legacy and be here and, and do what we can to make case the best. So appreciate you having me on and, and uh, looking forward to catching up. And uh, we'll see you soon. And go Cats. Okay, Doc. Thank you. Love you, brother. All right. Love you. Take care. So I hadn't texted with Adam in a very long time. I didn't bug him with a bunch of stuff during his climb through athletic administration. So I reached out to him and said, hey, buddy, you want to be on this? And we just started back up like it was 20 years ago. And I promised him I'd ask him a question during the course of this podcast. And I have to admit, I failed you, the listeners, myself, and let him off the hook. I needed him to admit that Memphis barbecue sucks. And we didn't get that done. This entire podcast has been a farce. But I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you enjoyed getting to know Doc Walker. I'm just going to call him Adam because he's a great dude, and I know so many of you will get to know him through the years. Well, that's it for this episode. We're coming down the home stretch. We're into August. I'm getting ready to go on vacation. We're going to cram some more in before football season. And remember, guys, go get your PSA scored. It is the best way for an early indication of prostate health issues. Take care, everyone. I'll talk to you real soon.